Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical. Medical plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. A word of warning: This podcast contains discussions that some listeners may find distressing or triggering. Please use your discretion. Hello and welcome to Reclaim Meat. My name is Madeline Heather and today I am joined by Hannah from the States. Welcome, Hannah. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to have you on. Um, Like many of the guests on here, we've actually met online via Instagram, um, both through a lot of the activism work that we do in the online space. And it's just so wonderful to have you on here. So do you mind telling us a little bit about who you are, what you do? Awesome. So I won't get into like the whole story of my past yet. I'll tell you a little bit about myself. Um, yep. I I don't know if you want to know my age. I'm a 21-year-old uh, college student right now, yep. um, which college, <laughs> not for me. <laughs> I have to do it for my career, which I do want to go into journalism and political science. Um, I'm very much an activist. I speak at women's marches, uh, March for Our Lives. I've been doing that since about 2017, 2018. Yeah, I, I love talking about like marvel star wars anything like that if you ever want to talk to me about it i'm totally here for it <laughs> i love that so much because we just were speaking before and you're actually going to see the new spider-man film tonight so i can't wait to see it either i might go tonight as well oh there's so many spo- i've been avoiding everything <laughs> there's so many spoilers online it's crazy yeah, I haven't seen anything. So I'm actually, I'm all right. I think like we've got to just make the effort to not see it, but I'm a big Marvel fan as well. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> it's amazing. No, I think it is hard to like tell people about yourself because you're just like, I don't know. I'm I'm a student. I'm many things, but um, I think it's very interesting. You are very young, but you are so um, strong in your beliefs and, and what you want this world to be like and in your activism journey. And I think it's just so wonderful to see this new generation coming through being so powerful with their voices and saying, I'm not standing for this and I, I really will be a part of making a change. Yes, exactly. Getting into my my whole story of my life, <laughs> the beginning of Hannah. <laughs> no, I was actually, um, I was, uh, I don't know where I, I should start, but I was actually a pretty innocent kid. <laughs> I didn't do anything bad. I was, I'm, I have ADHD, like severe ADHD. So I'm like, always on the run though. And I'm like, even my mom will tell you, I, I had to be like a leash kid. Because <laughs> yeah. as soon as you put me down, I'd run. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's <laughs> like, I just get, oh, it's over here. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, I wasn't really liked as a kid. I didn't have many friends. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so I was I was bullied a lot. <laughs> I got into especially this age, like you have social media and everything, and I was wanted to be a part of that. So I joined Instagram when I got into middle school. I even had like no friends, so I had someone actually create a fake account and pretend to be my friend, and then would share. I told to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that so great. sad, but it, it's it's one of those things. It's like we do some strange things to kind of want connection in our lives and that's really awful like that must have been quite traumatic for you going through that as a as a young woman like yeah I don't know my the only friends I really had was my younger brother and my parents <laughs> yeah so I I think I had like one friend that lasted a couple years and I have family friends but we I moved across the country so I don't really have them with me where were you in your life I guess when this event or events happened um, well, I, uh, it started my senior year of high school. I'll, I'll start over a little bit with the whole, yeah. um, so I actually was bullied from, uh, like when I was got into school, like kindergarten and stuff all the way up till freshman year. And then I, I got a little sad. That's when I realized like, I shouldn't like be here <laughs> And I got really sad, depressed and everything. And I didn't really have help. I was in therapy, but not with a good therapist, which always get a good therapist because some yeah. of them just don't, don't work out. Yeah. <laughs> when you're that age as well, you don't know that there's other therapists out there that you can gel with and connect with more as well. You kind of just with what you've got, I think you don't really know that there's other options, do you? Yeah, exactly. But I did get um, a little, little suicidal trigger warning, a little suicidal but I survived. I'm still here. I went with the whole, you know what? I'm not, I'm, I am allowed to cuss, right? Yes. Go for it. <laughs> I'm not allowed to give a fuck of what people think. Yes. <laughs> so I actually went into sophomore year. I changed my whole style, everything. And I just didn't care. <laughs> and I made so many, I was actually like real about myself and I made so many real actual friends that cared about me. And we went on from there. I joined the cheerleading squad. I've actually been in cheer for 12 years. So wow. that also has a lot of bullying with it, but a lot of, I made a lot of friends. So you always have to be part of extracurricular activities sometimes to get into that whole, you need to make friends thing. So I, I recommend that. Yeah. But yeah, so I was trying new things when I got into my senior year of high school. And um, I, had this crush of course we all have crushes i had this crush on a drama kid not not good <laughs> not good at all and we actually met my senior year and he was a little bit of an f boy yeah but we all had things of like oh i can change him i know i can change him nope can't change him ladies can't change him no. move on <laughs> uh, but i didn't know that i was a very innocent naive kid who just wanted someone to love. So we started talking in January of 2018, like the, the new year, the new year was getting in and it got a little rough. He was, it's, it's really bad. Cause like you'll be charming in like the first few months and it feels like it's, you're in heaven. It feels like Prince Charming and Cinderella. Like you feel like it's so great. You don't, you ignore all the warning signs cause you think you're in love. I don't know. I just, I ignored all the warning signs that were happening. Like he would be so abusive to me. He, um, trigger warning. I, 
I lost my virginity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, as teenagers do. Um, but not in the right way. Um, that was the first um I was actually, you know, raped in the the first time that we slept together. Um and I didn't realize it was rape because I didn't know what rape was. Yeah. Um I didn't realize that um all the things that he was doing was actually assault because I didn't want it. And it was just like, it's just part of like the fact that he would like, as, as women do after sex, sometimes you bleed. Blood was on the sheets. He literally left me there and went to go hook up with another girl. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Cried about it. And I still stayed with him for seven months after that. <laughs> it was, it was awful. I mean, he would hit me and I'd be like, oh, this is love. And he'd manipulate me. And I, it got so bad that I would like have bruises and my parents knew, but they, they couldn't do anything about it because they didn't know him. And then they didn't know. But I, I just wish I reached out to someone. I wish, yeah. I wish someone yeah. would have done something. Cause I mean, you can't really do anything because like it's yourself that has to leave, but I just, oh, it's just so, so bad. I mean, I, I just felt awful because it got so bad that I had to ask permission to go hang out with my friends. Like I, we weren't even living together, but he'd come over, he knew where I lived. He'd come over at odd hours in the night and be like yelling at me and, um, then consider then started to rape me and assault me and I even if I didn't want to I was like okay (laughs) like yeah but then I got into a college and I thought this is my chance this is it so I and it was across the country back where I was actually from so I was like this is gonna be great like I'm gonna go see my family it's gonna be great and it's a great college um it's you know, private colleges with a big campus are always like with green grass and everything and not in the city is always like, but I, uh, I went there across the country. We were still dating because long distance. And he was like, no, I got this. Like, I'm not going to cheat on you or anything, which (laughs) I don't know why I believed it. (laughs) Again, I was naive and I thought I was in love, Yeah, but, um, you can't blame yourself for that, honestly. But so I moved across the country, went to college everything was great. I was, I got into a journal, a great journalism program that only it's called, uh, com scholars. I believe it was, it was so amazing. Like I, yeah. I got in, um, and there was only eight people out of the whole school that could be in that, in that whole thing. So I was like, that's great. Like I, I did it. Now all my activism helped with that. I thought it was amazing. And then I got hired at the radio station and I was like, this is amazing. Cause I, I, I want to be, a journalist. I want to make hard hitting stories and I want to, you know, investigate and do great things. And I guess like you can start at a music radio station and talk and about all these things. And, um, so I did that and I had my first night there. I remember it. It was a Friday night, 7 PM. I had that shift till 10. It was great. There's this guy that was there earlier that week that would, he was a senior and he would flirt with me, a freshman. And it was only a month in. And I was like, "Mm, sorry, I have a boyfriend. You know, I no, I'm not interested. And he was like, yeah, no problem. It's fine. Yeah. And continue. 
flirt with me. I thought that was it. The radio station was empty. The door was locked. And I thought he was coming to check in on me. And he was the only, he was the only one in there. And I started to like feel something in my chest. Like whenever, like before anything happens, I, you always feel like something's wrong. Like your whole body gets hot and you're like, I got to leave. Yeah. <laughs> like it's fight or flight. Yeah. Um, so, well, um, he came in and I started to get that vibe and I was like, I, you know, I don't think I can finish the shift. Like he's starting to freak me out. He kept getting closer and closer and he locked the door. And that when I was like, I was like, something's off. I picked up my phone. He grabbed it from me. And so now the only device that I had to get out of there is gone. I can't do anything about that. So I was like, great. Um, what do I do now? I, I'm smaller than him. I can't fight him. Yeah. Um, and everyone has different reactions when getting sexually assaulted. Mine was to freeze up. I, I didn't realize like, again, with my abuser back at home, I didn't realize it was rape and sexually assault. I just thought it was, you know, fine. Cause we were in a relationship, which is not the case. But I realized when he literally stuck his hands under my skirt, I was like, oh my God, it's happening. This is sexual assault. So it all clicked in my head at that moment that the guy back home, not a good guy. The guy that's currently under my skirt right now is about to hurt me. And I froze. Everything that was in my mind was just exploding. And I was, I was about to cry. But I couldn't cry. I was froze because my family back home was currently listening live to what to the song that was playing in the room that I picked. So it just felt like humiliating because they're currently listening and I can't reach out for help. So what right. am I supposed to do? So you're in this moment in this job working. There's a song playing. Like there's a time at play here as well, and. That must have been the most scary and isolating feeling. Like I, I've got goosebumps. I almost feel like I can't imagine how terrifying that must have been as well. Because if you go what live on air and say something's happening, like what that's, it's such just almost like too impossible to do that. And it was right there, and I, I didn't reach for it because I, I, I knew like I would get in trouble. Like what if it he says it was a lie. Like all these thoughts were going in my head. And I even remember the song that was playing. It was chocolate by 1975. That we'll get into later. That's my PTSD. So I can't listen to that song anymore. But so he was under my skirt and I was like, Oh my God, this is happening. What do I do? And I just froze and he started to kiss my neck. And I was like, I I need to get out of here. I I need to do something. I I can't fight him. This, this man is too, too big what do I do? So I, I tell him, I was like, after about like 10 minutes, I was like, Hey, my roommate's coming in like two minutes. That seemed to get him out of there. He was like, you got it. Yeah. We'll do this again sometime. He takes my phone and puts his name and number in it. And I was like, you just sexually assaulted me and you think I want to do this again? No, I'm going to report you. Oh my God. He's again, he's a senior, right? So I'm fully ready. I walk out of there, ending my shift early, 
and run into my roommate was actually there because I wasn't lying. Like she literally was waiting to go to dinner with me. I broke down in her arms. She didn't know what was going on, but she was there for me. And I, I texted all my friends that were there and was like, we need to meet up. I, I don't know what to do. Told him everything. They told me to go to the title nine coordinator at the school or, or report it. So I was like, I didn't know what to do. So I was like, okay, I'll go tomorrow morning. Remember, this guy is in the class with me. <laughs> and I texted the, I emailed the professor too and told him what happened because I didn't know what to do. Professor didn't do anything wrong. He actually was very supportive of it. He said he can't do anything. He can't kick him out of the class, but he moved him across the room from me and made sure he didn't even come near me. So yeah. that was great. However, Title IX coordinator, not so much. I went in there that morning, and the first thing she asked me is if I'm legal, if I'm 18. And I was like, I knew this was going to go downhill from here. She just wanted to know if I literally was consensual or legal age to have sexual relations with someone that's a senior. So I was like, great, <laughs> this, no one's going to help me. <laughs> Especially so, when that's the first question. Like you, you just open up, us and create a dialogue, get the person talking, understand it. Why is your first question accusatory? It's the same exactly. way for me with with victims of sexual assault who go to the police. The police need to know how many drinks you had, and they need to know what you were wearing. But if that's the first question that they ask you, and they need to know what the perpetrator was wearing and how many drinks, like they need that for a case to set the scene. But if you have that as the first question that you ask them and you ask them in an accusatory way and you're saying, well, what were you wearing? Then you're not building any rapport. You're not creating a safe space for them to even talk. That's just, it's infuriating. The first question that she's asked you is, is this your fault or not, basically? And that's just infuriating. I can't. You must have had steam coming out of your ears. Basically, I'm, I was in shock. And it just went downhill from there. I mean, she was asking me all sorts of questions of like, well, what she asked me what I was wearing. And I was yeah. like, a skirt? And she's like, hmm. Writes down if, that's, if like, that's your fault. I get, anyway, sorry. Yeah. Fucking hell. No, yeah, it's it's a lot. But um, she ends the session with, I asked her I, at the end, I, I told her everything that happened. I excruciating detail, like how can I make this up? And I, she made me repeat it several times. So it wasn't just like a made up story. And I, I told her several times to the book, this is what happened. At the end, I asked her what this is going to happen to the senior. She looks me dead in the eye and says, Oh, we can't do anything about it. We want him to graduate. So. I understand due course, um, innocent until proven guilty, all of that kind of shit. There is a difference between taking an allegation seriously and, and getting somebody to a point where they can graduate as well. Like they're not mutually exclusive. There are things that can be done. Um, why is his rights and his education above your safety? Why is that the the answer? In every case there, like everything she has said has almost been in a way to put a case against you. Yeah. And, and it, it's, 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 too, it's like, she's a fellow woman. Yeah. Shouldn't you be, I, I get, you can't be on my side if like it's a court of law or anything, but you should be understanding. 
Yeah. You should not. The first question asked is, oh, are you 18? Yeah. No. <laughs> but so she didn't do her job. I, my professor was in class. Like he kept up to date with me. He was like, I can't believe they didn't do anything. He was very helpful. And he's like, if you need to drop the class, I understand. I'll still give you your points. You're fine. I thought that was it. It happened the first month of of school. Yeah. I actually called my boyfriend, my abusive boyfriend back home. I love men for this because, you know, some men just don't understand. And I told him that I was sexually assaulted. And the first thing that came out of his mouth is, oh, so you cheated on me. And we didn't talk for a little while after that. And then he sent me, I actually have, I have proof that he assaulted me and everything because he left me a voicemail two days later after I told him that I was sexually assaulted, telling me that he's sorry that he raped me. So I have that voicemail, but I'm, I can't do anything about it because court of law can't get a con, uh, restraining order. Cause it's been more than three years. I nothing, but anyways, so I thought that was it. I went on with my life. I, my parents were, I told my parents and they were, I, it's embarrassing because yeah. they, I look up to them, you know, and my little brother found out he was infuriated and he never shows emotions. I was like, wow, this is bad. I go on with my life. I'm getting straight A's. I'm in multiple clubs. I was about to join the cheerleading team. It, it was a great time. I finally had my life back on track. Then came a night in November. And I was in my dorm room and I switched roommates because my roommate, we had a couple of problems. I mean, she, we were both bipolar, so it just, sometimes it didn't work. She liked to use bipolar as an excuse for throwing a printer at me. <laughs> it's a little crazy, but so I got a new roommate. She went out clubbing. I stayed back. I was going to go with her, but I was like, I have to do homework. It's fine. And the next thing I know is someone walked in. And I was like, I'm sorry, you have the wrong dorm room. Thank you for, bye. Like, I, you know, I didn't think anything of it. I just thought he had the wrong dorm and I left it unlocked because she didn't have her key. Yeah, no, he was there on purpose. He broke in to the dorm rooms, into the, in, which by the way, we have security there and you need a card to get in. So he yeah. waited for someone and came in and security was like, oh, who are you here to see? He was like, oh, my friend, uh, you know, makes up a name, whatever. And he's like, oh, yeah, okay. Didn't check his ID or anything. Kid didn't even go to campus. Oh, my God. So is, are you saying so, like that? So he's, he's walked in with like a, somebody else in front of him has got their card and he's tried to go in like behind them to try and be like, oh, I've gained access that way. He's stopped. The security guard is like, what are you doing here? And then just takes what he says at face value and doesn't do any due diligence as a security guard should. Yep, exactly. And by the way, he told me all this. Like, it was crazy. Like, he was proud of it. And so he basically, and I got this from the security guard too. So it was like, okay. He came in and I was like, oh, I'm sorry. You have the wrong dorm. It happens. It's fine. But just remember to knock. (laughs) Like, just joking around with him. He comes up to me and grabs me by the neck and throws me on the bed. And that is when I was raped. Didn't know who he was. Just still don't know who he was. I can remember that night crystal clear. Like I, again, I have PTSD. I remember it every day of my life. I thought I was going to die that day. He had his hand around my neck. 
and squeezed so hard that I passed out. And I woke up, I'm not going to go into detail because it's just like, it's unnecessary, but it's, it, I guess I, yeah, it's, it's just bad. You know, I mean, I looked at, I had a stuffed animal that's on my desk that my brother gave me for good luck. I mean, he, again, he's a no emotion kid, you know, he cared about me and he gave me, I have it up there. It's a little giraffe. I, I, I still have it in my room, but I can't look at it. That was the thing I was looking at. And I was like, Oh my God, he's going to be so dis like my family. I can't look at my family again. Cause it's just so humiliating. Like what am I supposed to do? You know? And so he rapes me and no protection whatsoever. I was on birth control, but it, it didn't work. And he left me with the door open, completely exposed. And so anyone that was walking by just was like, Oh, she's drunk. She's passed out drunk. She's fine. And so everyone saw me naked, whoever walked by and didn't do anything. And so I woke up and I was like, you know, honestly, I wish I'd, he did kill me. I honestly wish he did. Now, now looking back at it, I'm like, I wish he didn't. But in that moment, I was like, I honestly wish he did because I'm in so much pain right now. And I can never face anybody again. So I, and my roommate didn't even come back that night. So she didn't see me. And I didn't even know what rape kits were because no one teaches about that which is like another thing like they should teach about that in in school and they didn't i mean this school they even had like at orientation this whole if sexual assault is bad and they had all these skits about like not drugging girls and going to be safe at parties and not drinking too much and even if you drink too much you're not going to get in trouble so I, I was like, I, I thought I was confident in telling somebody I, I shouldn't have. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Honestly, shouldn't have told the Title IX coordinator. Because she didn't do anything the first time. What is she going to do this time? So I didn't tell anybody. It was about two days and then I got called into the office and I was confused, but I've been having problems with my friend group, my so-called friend group, but they were a lot of drama and they made up a bunch of lies about me. And so I got called into the office. I like, they made, they said that I was like cutting myself, which I wasn't, but they were like, Oh, she's about to kill herself. You better go to her dorm room. And I was just doing homework and they literally broke down the door and was like, Hey, you need to come to the office. So I did. I went down there and she was like, hey, there was this counselor. I don't even know if she was certified to be a counselor because she was awful. But she was like, hey, listen, your friends told you that your friends said that you were doing this. Um, We saw your post on social media and I didn't even post anything. It was just like Halloween. And I posted a memorial because that's around the time that the shooting, again, I'm an activist, so I, the shooting in um, in California happened. And I was like, I put up a memorial for all the the people, just their names and and stuff. And I was like, and people were appreciative of it in the dorm. So I was like, great, whatever, like moving on. And she called me a school shooter. She said I was a threat to the school because I put up a memorial and I broke down and I was like, you have no idea what you're saying. I'm, I'm literally like I was raped two days ago. And that's when she cut it off and she said, are you serious? And I said, yes. And she goes, and we started talking about that. And I broke down and I was like, you don't understand. Like nothing's happened to me. I'm not a school shooter. I don't know why you're saying this about me. She just kept making questions and making up these things to push me to break down, to interrogate me. I thought this was a safe space. It literally was a counselor's office, a therapist's office. And so I thought it was a safe space, but I guess it wasn't. And so she finally just was like, you, did you get a rape kit done? And I said, no, I, I didn't take a shower since then. So I was like, I, no, I, I didn't. Should I get one? And she goes, oh, well, it's too late. She lied. It wasn't too late. She just made that up. So she ended the meeting and I went back. And again, none of my family members, like my family, my mom, my dad, and my brother were across the country. I didn't tell them that I was raped. Literally the next day after that counseling meeting, I came back from dinner to see three cops at my door school cops, not actual cops. And they 
said that I'm kicked off campus. And I was like, okay, um, let me call my parents. I, I didn't know what was going on. They just stood there and was like, you need to pack a bag. You need to get your car and get off campus right now. Luckily, I had, you know, my grandmother and my aunt that were there in in that area. But <laughs> it it was awful. And so I broke down crying because there was three policemen at my door. And I was on the phone with my mom and they were like, hey, you need to leave now. Come on, let's go get off the phone. And I was telling my mom, hey, I'm getting kicked off campus. Don't know why. They proceeded to grab me by my arms and drag me out of the dorm room in front of everybody, crying my eyes out. I'm and speechless. Like, I don't – did you ever find out why, what what that was about? They called me in the next day, um, and I had to go by myself because my parents weren't there. And that's when I actually told my parents because I was like, by the way, I was raped. My dad was so furious. He almost got on a plane and came down here because I, I needed someone to represent me. I, I was unstable. I was, I literally just got raped. I was getting kicked out of college for some reason. I was like, what's going on? I went in the next day to have this whole meeting and my parents were on the phone and they made up a bunch of lies that my friends made up saying that I did. They called me an offensive school shooter for having a memorial and they said that I made up being raped. So they kicked me out. So they the, said that you, they've got no evidence that you made it up. They've got nothing there, but they've just decided based on other people's opinions and clearly their very little opinion of you that you are now a liar and some kind of threat. This person, what just happened to you, is one of the most dangerous offenders that could ever exist. Somebody that broke in. Somebody that's a stranger offender, that doesn't often happen. A stranger coming in, like the audacity that he would have had to, to, to act and behave like that. And also the hands around the throat. The moment a man puts his hands around a woman's throat, that is just such an indicator of, of violence. If they had dealt with that properly, they probably could have saved that from happening to other people because I guarantee you there's going to be other people around there that that guy's done that to as well. Oh, that's not even the worst part. Literally, after I was kicked out, I had seven girls come up to me saying that the same thing happened to them and that they're too speechless and too quiet to go up to the Title IX coordinator. And they came up to me with so much hope saying, please tell me they did something. I had to be the person that say, I'm sorry, they, they're literally kicking me out right now. And so none of those girls got justice, nothing. Seven and girls in the same dormitory area, in the same space, have had the same thing happen to them with a stranger breaking into their room at night and violently assaulting them. Yeah, and the and the guy that sexually assaulted me a couple months beforehand also has a couple other girls that he did that to. The kid got to graduate. I, I saw it on his on his post. He got to graduate. It's just infuriating. It really is. I that's why I'm like I have PTSD. Like I literally can't stop thinking. I can't wrap my head around it. Like it's just so bad. Like I I got kicked out. I moved back across the country, back home with my parents. I couldn't look them in the eye for a month and a half. I didn't talk to anybody. I was suicidal. I I just I thought my life was over. I thought I was doing so well. And then I broke up with my abusive ex-boyfriend and he was no help at all obviously. So 
moved on from that. I honestly, I thought that was it. (laughs) And then all these girls came up to me and were like, please help me. And I'm like, I don't know what you want me to do. Because I was actually the first person to write an article about it. I, I, I didn't put any names in it, of course. I don't want to get sued. But I wrote my story and I posted online. And everybody that was still following me from that college on Instagram, I got a lot of DMs. It went a little viral. And I still have like a lot of contact with them. But I don't know what they want me to do. Because I'm just one person, you know? But I I started researching and I started going to women's marches. And after I posted that, the women's march actually contacted me and were like, hey, do you want to speak about this? Of course I do. You know, I and that became my PTSD thing is nonstop talking about it. If you can see my TikTok or my Instagram or any posts, I always talk about it because I just can't get over it. That's part of my PTSD is nonstop talking about it. And my friends find it annoying, but they know. They're understanding about it. They're like, you know what? This girl has been through a lot. Give her a break. So, yeah, I haven't been in contact with that school. I thought that was the end. And then a month later, I found out I was pregnant. So, from the rape. So, I obviously, I'm not a mother. (laughs) I did not go through with the pregnancy. But yeah, and nobody really knows about that. But that's I'm I'm glad that I'm sharing it now because it's important that people know like you have some options. Like you don't have to do it. Yeah. So I'm in therapy. Have been for about three years. I talk a lot about it. I have posted both stories about domestic violence and my assault on my blog. And I am doing this and I'm talking about it and getting it out there. And a lot of girls have now reached out to me saying thank you, which they don't need to thank me. (laughs) I'm just a fellow survivor like them. But it's nice to hear that sharing your story can help others share their story. And actually, one girl that went to that college with me got her scholarship taken away from her because she was sexually assaulted. And she went to court. And she won. Because she took... I I went there with her. And I shared my story. All the girls did. And she won. So. It just shows, like, sharing your story and getting out there, that can help. Even if if you can't, if you can't share it, no problem. You know, it's the, the thing is, is that you're in control. That's the one thing that you can control over this is that this is your story. Share it. Don't share it. You have the power. Absolutely. And I think some people aren't ready to share their story. Exactly. But seeing other people is empowering in so many different ways, because by speaking out, we're going to to normalize that it's okay to talk about this. And we're going to start to hold these institutions and these awfully horrible people who clearly have misogynistic views against women, and that can be a woman as well. We have to hold them accountable for their actions and inactions. And it is so unacceptable 
that there is an allegation of sexual assault made and there's blame that occurs there, there should be an investigation into every single thing. For you to be kicked off campus because you made an allegation and they just determined without even investigating it that you were a liar and therefore you were some kind of threat is the most outrageous thing I think I've ever heard. And you just, I look back on like some of that that you've just said and I I put it down to a lot of things and not to say that we can explain everything, but with your second offender walking into that room with you, and I don't know if you feel this or not maybe, but it sounded to me like a lot of movies that I've seen, like a lot of romantic movies that I've seen where, you know, the girl's at work or something and the guy comes in and, you know, she might say no, but then she really decides that she does actually want to do it, but it's maybe she's just a bit shy or something. And it's like a lot of movies and things have romanticized this violent behavior in a lot of ways, I feel. And I'm not saying that's what it is, but from his perspective, for example, it just sounds like that to me. And it's, it's this romanticizing of violence that I just can't. Yeah. It's, it's completely horrible. Um, and that's another thing is like, I've seen people be like, no, rape culture isn't real. I saw it the other day, literally on TikTok, some man went into the middle of a campus and had a table and said, rape culture isn't real. Change my mind. Like how, how is it dense? How dense do you have to be to be like, I'm going to ignore all these women's stories because obviously none of them are true. Like, it's like looking at the presidential election and seeing all the allegations that came out against Trump and saying, oh, well, you know, none of them are true. They just want attention. But we all have to get together and believe that until it, like, it, that's another thing. Like, I get innocent until proven guilty. But these women have, like, hard stories that they're sharing. And they're coming out because they want you to know, hey, this guy is not nice. And we see that because he literally said on tape, grab him by the pussy. He has no respect for women. It's disgusting. And it's it's something that needs to change, obviously. But I don't know how we're going to do that because sharing our stories isn't enough. It's one of the hardest things to prove in a court of law is rape and sexual assault. It is. And in the state that I live in now in Victoria, in Australia, we've actually just changed the laws to be affirmative consent. Um, And I think that's a one step in the right direction because instead of proving that they didn't rape, they need to prove that you consented. So they've flipped the script. What did she do? What did they do to tell you that they were consenting? Did they say affirmatively yes? Were they very enthusiastic about their yes? What what were their actions? Not their inactions, but what did they do to tell you that this was a consensual, you know, sexual encounter? So I think that's a really great step in the right direction because it removes the accountability from the victim and puts it onto the perpetrator. And now when men think about this, oh, I'm scared. You shouldn't be scared because you should be 100% sure in all sexual encounters that this is consensual. And if you're 100% mm-hmm. sure, then there's no problem. If you're 98% sure, don't do it. No, I see it like all the time where even like like some people are just like, oh, well, men should be scared because so many women, I could just accuse them. It's like, well, why are they scared? Because it's not it, like they shouldn't be scared at all because they they according to them, they didn't do anything wrong. But why are they scared? Because it's also the fact that like, even if a woman comes forward, nothing gets done about it. 
So why are you scared? Why your reputation is ruined? I mean, so, I forget the Kavanaugh or whatever. Literally, I was watching that case when I was in that college. And I didn't understand at the time because I wasn't sexually assaulted or raped yet. But I, but I still, I'm a woman, so I understand. But he got literally accused of sexual assault and still got appointed to the court after this whole trial, crying like a baby because he's like, well, my reputation's going to get ruined. You still got on the court, okay? Even though that woman, so brave of her, literally went out there with even all the death threats that was happening to her, said her story completely on point, didn't miss a beat, repeated it several times, didn't change her story. When it came to Kavanaugh, not the same thing. He kept changing his story. Oh, well, I was at this place. Oh, well, I was at that place. And he still got appointed. So something, that just shows that something is very wrong in our country and several other countries too. Yeah. There's a man in uh, Australian politics named Christian Porter who is the basically attorney general for the state. Do you know what I mean? He's like one of the highest powers in the state. And he had an allegation made against him. And the woman who made that allegation uh, subsequently took her life. And he was still appointed and he still is in that position. And the hardest part is that now he's decided to take a step back from politics at the next federal election. So he's kind of going to concede his spot and take his you know place quietly and, and move away from politics, likely probably into the private sector where he's going to make millions and millions of dollars. But there is no accountability. And I do like the way that we are shifting the focus. And this has just come into, you know, law this month, I think, or last month. But there is a culture of very powerful people being held accountable to some degree because they're being accused. And that's one thing. But there is no actual accountability that takes place. There's no repercussions for their actions. And it's so hard to get convictions in sex crime cases because their defense just has to be, it was consensual. And then it's a he said, she said. And then it's just, that's just it. And it's not acceptable. And I think this is what advocacy is so important for because people should be more outraged about this. The fact that people aren't actively furious that this happens, that a woman can be taken advantage of three separate times you were violated by three separate people, sorry, more than three times, but by three separate offenders. And that's apparently on you for your shame, for your, that's, that's your guilt to carry. Not these three horrible men who are disgusting. That's not on them for some reason. That's not on the school for some reason. They've just washed their hands with it. It's so unacceptable. And I'm, I, I'm so glad that you have found strength to be able to talk about this for yourself. Um, and I'm so thankful as well that you shared about your abortion, because I think it's important to speak and to know like if somebody puts themselves in your shoes for two seconds, you've just had this hugely violent offence happen to you. You've been kicked out. You're going through all of this in your life plus your previous trauma. You're trying to study. There's so much happening. And then you've got this. It's not okay to put all of this blame on women and you should have had so much more support than you did. That's just I'm so sorry that you had to go through all of that. It's just so infuriating and I – I'm just glad that I can, I obviously I'm not glad that I was assaulted and abused and raped, but I'm glad that I can, that I'm still here, that I'm fighting every day in my life, that I'm getting better, 
that I'm literally helping people as much as I can with the information that I know now and telling people and going to, I go to schools all the time. Like I went to my alma mater, is that what it's called? Alma mater? Alma mater, yes. Yes, I I graduated from there and I, I go back there every year and I talk to a lot of students and I have an assembly and I talk to them and I share my story and I say, listen, you're going off to college, don't rape, literally be safe, stick together, all this stuff and sharing my story and saying, listen, maybe lock your door. <laughs> it's not your fault, but all this stuff, not your fault. And I, I tell them that. And I, I just, I obviously I can't share the abortion part, but I at their kids, but I just, I share that. And I'm like, I hope you learned something today, whether you're a man, woman, non-binary, whatever. I hope you learned something today. If you were going off to college and I, I hope you're safe. And if you need to talk, I'm here. I gave them all my email and I was like, if anything ever happens, let me know because you need a friend, you know? Yeah. And somebody's so, safe to, to fucking believe them. And exactly. the, the sad truth is university campuses are probably one of the most dangerous places for women on this earth. Um, in Australia as well, it's a huge problem. There's been some investigations into it. Camille, who has come on this podcast before, does the Stop campaign, and she literally started because of this. She was saying in Australia at the university that she went to, there were pretty much daily accusations of sexual assault, and nobody did anything about it. And we know that this problem exists. We have the problem there. We don't have security that's accurate, that's acceptable in places. We don't have education that's acceptable in places, and we don't have accountability for people who don't to perpetrate these crimes. So we know the problem's there. We know that it exists. We're doing nothing about it. It's the same as Boris Johnson, the British Prime Minister the other day, said if we were to make misogyny a hate crime, we would be overwhelmed with reports. That's why we're not going to do it. It's like I don't want to look under the rock because there's too much under there. So we will acknowledge that there's a giant problem there and we're going to have to fundamentally change if we do it, but we're just not going to do anything about it because it's just in the too hard basket. So we're just going to allow for for women to consistently be treated like this. Exactly. And it's, it's honestly horrible because if you look at history, why do men think that we're less than them? Like who was taught that? And then you have to look into, again, paganism so I'm, I'm i study a lot of religion but you have to look into religion and you have to look at how people were brought up because if you look at christianity and you read a bible it literally tells you that women are less than men and they can be treated however they want and it's like that's no that's not okay how like in the right mind can you use the bible as an excuse to rape people i literally had a, a priest and he would literally like say well, rape isn't a bad thing if you're married. Oh my. I was like, and I was seven years old and I was like, who, what's rape? Like, and then I found out what it was and I was like, that doesn't seem right. No, I want to say thank you. And, and for coming on and sharing your story in incredible detail and for all of the work that you do and consistently do not only for yourself to get yourself into a more healing space, but for everybody else. And I think it's just an incredible thing that you're doing. If anybody wants to get in contact or support you in any way, how can they do that? My Instagram is h.eliza, E-L-I-Z-A dot A-M-S. 
everything, all my social media is on there. If you go on LinkedIn, you can see my TikTok where I post a lot of stuff about sexual assault and, um, you know, survivor stuff. And I also, my blog is on there. If you want to link, if the link is there so you can see my blog, which has my PTSD stories, how you can help out with that and how you can help yourself with that. And, um, a lot of therapy, uh, a lot of therapy, um, links as well. Um, lots of activism links as well, but you, but yeah, so everything's on there. (laughs) Beautiful. I'll post that in the show notes for this episode, but I usually wrap on providing a piece of advice. So if you had any advice you'd give to a survivor who's going through this now, um, or something in their lives, what would it be? I think it would be to not give up. It honestly boils down to that. I could say lots of other stuff, like get a lawyer, all this stuff. But I think it boils down to the fact that you should not give up. I personally went through hell. I thought I was going to die. And I know that every woman has gone through something and it makes them feel guilty and has doubt and just makes them feel sometimes suicidal. I think that they need to realize that they're a survivor, that they are bad ass. And we're amazing. Women, oh, love women, love them so much. Um, but we're badass. We are unique. We are amazing. And we can get through this. We're going to fight. We're not going to go down with that fight. So absolutely, just know that you're not alone. Thank you so much for coming on. That is words to live by. I will be sharing the link so that people can get in touch with you. But thank you again. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. But for now, this is Reclaim Me signing out. Bye. Thank you. This content may have been distressing or triggering for some listeners. In Australia, for national crisis support, please contact Lifeline on 131114. For more resources, please see the show notes for this episode. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.